Guys, how many of you have I met before? Can you wave at me now so that I know where I got? You look at that. And who are meeting me for the first time tonight? Lift up. Look at that. Where have you been hiding my whole life? Good to see you guys. So you can hear I was born in Pennsylvania, right? <laughs> I'm an Austrian, not Australia. We made jokes about that yesterday. We got no kangaroo in Austria. In between Germany and Italy, that's where I was born. And then I married a good-looking Swedish girl. And then I moved to Africa and became an African. Come on. This is, this is a strange world, isn't it? So, and I love Africa with a passion. I've been active there now for 28 years. And Africa is my life. That's where I want to die and be buried and, or fly right home to be with Jesus, right? So I, this is fantastic. And now we are gearing up for our festival season. Uh, we are doing nine of these major, major Jesus festivals uh, in the Democratic Republic of Congo. We're going to Burundi, to Senegal in the West, into Kenya and Tanzania and different places. So you have to pray for us, all right? And we, because we are believing for great breakthroughs in Africa this year. So, and, and I got a little bit of a... Of a challenge for you because I've had people ask me almost every day as I've been here, how can I get involved down there? Well, you can come with Philip and Destiny on a missions trip, of course. But there is also, uh, we have something that we call the SOS Harvest Internship, where you can come and work with us for 10 months. So it's a six, six months of these 10 months, we, you are crossing through five nations with our festival convoy. And you, you are there casting out demons, healing the sick, preaching in the streets. And then uh, there are about one month of Bible school training where you just uh, jump in with one of our Bible colleges. And then we also give you three months to serve in practical discipleship at one of our bases and learn how to make Jesus disciples, you know, from scratch. So you should join us, 11,000, and that's everything paid, all the trips you make throughout Africa, food, accommodation, and everything. And if you want to, to get in on that, contact this guy there. You see the guy there with the club? That's a crazy Brazilian that works with me. Um, yeah, yeah he's, he's actually leading the Harvest Internship. He uses that club to get students in line. No. And then... So you can send him an email or you can go and, and find all the information there. All right, guys, how many of you are ready for a little message? Okay, you ready for a message? So I'm going to speak tonight about the power of forgiveness. Come on, somebody, the power of forgiveness. And uh, I, I was invited, uh, just so that you guys know, I'm a first-generation Christian. Uh, you, you will probably uh, find out as we go. Because I always say things that are not appropriate and the American tells me afterwards. <laughs> Yesterday I said a new word that I've, that I've, but I saw the reaction. I've heard it on television here and I thought it was a good word to use. But it was not a church word. And, and that will probably happen tonight again. Uh, you see, I've had some good English teachers. Did you guys know that I didn't speak any English when I was 20? And then some, someone prophesied over me when I came to Teen Challenge, which is a rehab organization, that I would speak more in English than in my mother tongue. And I was stupid enough to believe it. 
So I got hold of my own English teachers. One of them is called Mel Gibson. Another one is, I think Sandra Bullock was one of them. And, and yeah, so, so I learned all my English through Hollywood. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I know, I know. Some of you are shaking their heads. You have to give me private lessons, okay? But um, anyhow, power of forgiveness. So I'm a first-generation believer, so I know something about the power of forgiveness. Uh, I grew up in a, in a very dysfunctional home. My mama was an alcoholic, so she couldn't take care of me. Maybe there are some people in here that can relate to that, but that's the way it was. And she, she had many relationships when I grew up. It was with different drug dealers and drug addicts. And I moved... I had two plastic bags. I had 22 addresses before I turned 18. Then you, you if you know something about that life. So, and and my 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 father, he was a gangster. He was in and out of prison, and uh, but he was a good boxer. I loved to see him beat people up. I know it's sick, but that's just how it was. And um, and then uh, uh, I heard the gospel. And my life was totally changed and transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I was invited to a debate about different religions uh, some years ago. It was a Buddhist monk. It was a Hindu guru. It was a Muslim imam. And it was me. Can you see that beautiful bouquet of flowers? That beautiful bouquet. So, and, and, and everyone has to, had to introduce, tell a few lines about their their religion and um, they said you cannot speak more than one minute the muslims he just went off i think he took seven and talked talked about the five pillars of islam and how he had been on a pilgrimage to mecca and how he had kissed the black carver stone and the hindu he, he got all romantic when he started speaking about the river ganges and how he was dipping there and and the buddhist went on talking about you know buddha and what buddha had brought to the world and it was just, you know, one of those things. And I, and I was the last one to say something. So when, I, when, they, when they came to me, I said, well, I, I can summarize Christianity in one word. Wow, they said. We really, so, so what is that? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. You see, really, that the other religions and philosophies of this world, they don't really have that concept. The um, Muslims are saying, inshallah, because they don't know. They don't know if they are going to stand in the judgment or not. The Hindus, they are just hoping for a better reincarnation, right? And the Buddhists are trying as best as they can. They also believe in reincarnation, but they are, they are trying as good as they can. And, and they don't know. But we know that when we have received forgiveness through Jesus Christ, our sins are gone. There, there's something amazing about that. And I remember when I received this, just knowing I'm accepted. I'm accepted and I'm whole. And it, yeah, yeah. So we're going to, to jump into Luke's gospel, if you have a Bible. Otherwise, it will come up on the screen here. Luke's gospel, chapter 18, and a story that I love so much. Uh, <laughs> when you go there, we're going to, to read from verse 9 to 14. But when you go there, I want to tell a little story that we always tell in Africa. Can I, can I do that? In Africa, we say that there was this guy who was the dirtiest man in town uh, but he worked in the soup in the, how do you say it in the soap factory where they make the soap and the shampoo so it doesn't really matter if you work in the soap factory if you never apply the soap right 
if, if, if you never use it. And, and here we go now tonight because well, I've come to Louisiana. Uh, you're right. You know, you can go in and out of a church. But, but if, 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 you if you never understand the message, are you? you're still bitter and grumpy and think you're better than each and every one. You've missed the whole thing. You've not even opened up the, the soap. You've not used the shampoo. Uh, you see, the gospel is not Christmas and Easter. How many of you understand that? No, no, no. Christianity is not just a program of a church. It is to experience that I am forgiven. I have been forgiven by Jesus Christ. And that's a wonderful thing. So, so Jesus just nails it in this particular parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. And we're going to read that one. It says like this. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee, he stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. <laughs> Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over there. No, no, no. I, I, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Yeah, that was a fine prayer, right? But the tax collector stood at the distance. He would not... He would not even look up to heaven, but he, he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I tell you, Jesus said, this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Isn't this an amazing story? Come on, somebody. So, so I, 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 I love this story so much. Because we have a lot of those people around, isn't it? Everywhere in the world that are praying about themselves. Pray, just praying about, the, they, they are full of themselves. And they look down on other people. And I think that's the greatest hindrance for the church in the world, actually. That we have a lot of narrow-minded, hypocritical, judgmental people that think they are better than others. When the message is really about forgiveness. Right? Do you know what we... So, so yeah, it's, it's just, and Jesus takes this, he, he, he talks about the super, super holy in society, the Pharisee, belonging to a Jewish party that wanted to implement the Torah law in society, very radical uh, Jewish party. And then he talks about, he's really taking the two extremes, and then he talks about the, the tax collector, who, who was a betrayer of his own people, worked for the Roman Empire, collecting taxes from his own people for the enemy. And he was known for party, corruption, sleeping with prostitutes, really. So, so here's the super holy and the super sinner coming to the temple to pray. And Jesus is saying something super radical to his time when he says it was not the Pharisee that went home justified before God. That fasted and prayed and, are you here? Gave a tenth of all he get and thought he was better than all. No, it was the tax collector. Because he knew he was a sinner. How many of you can relate to this? I mean, if you, if you came to me when I was 17, 18, 19 years old, and, and, you know, I knew I was a sinner. And I was good at it too. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and, 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 and you didn't have to tell me that. I, I knew I didn't belong. And, and really, that's the sad thing very often, that I felt that I don't fit in church. 
I don't have the right background. I, I, I don't got the right parents. I, you know, I'm this ghetto rat that doesn't fit in church. So I, I love this story so much because it really nails it, doesn't it? It, it? it nails it and it brings it down to the very core of what it is. When you humble yourself, you will be exalted by our Bible God. Otherwise, you will be lowered. And we, 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 we have this story that we, you know, we, in Africa, we love stories. Africans are the best storytellers in the world. How many of you know? If you haven't been to Africa yet, I'm telling you. Get under a tree somewhere in Africa and listen to the old people. And they will blow you away with stories. And in Africa, we tell this story about the granddaddy with a big mustache that was sleeping on the couch after a good dinner. And he was snoring away. And there was this little grandkid visiting <laughs> who found a stinky cheese. I don't know how much experience you have with stinky cheeses here in America, but I come from South Europe. We bought some cheeses. We couldn't have them in the car. We had to have them on the rooftop of the car. And he took one of those cheeses, this little grandkid, nine years old, and smeared the whole cheese into granddaddy's Valros mustache as he was sleeping. And when granddaddy woke up, he sat up in his wife beater. Can you see him? Hair sticking out everywhere. I don't know what, what granddaddy's looks like in the States, but in, in Africa and in Europe, they have no hair where you're supposed to have hair and a lot of hair where you shouldn't have hair. You know what I'm saying? Sticking out of the ear and the nose and and this it's just hair coming out everywhere. Just this big mustache. You know, it's one of it's not one of those mustaches that you try to grow. It's you know, it's 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 toothpick thick. So you can get a cheese to stick there. So he he takes a deep breath, yawns, <coughs> it's about to throw up because of the smell, and wonders, where is the rat? There must be a dead rat somewhere. So the story goes, he goes through the whole house, every room, can't find anything, but everywhere he puts his nose, it just smells. Smells Denmark, we would say in Europe, or France. But I don't want to be offensive. So it, it smells. So, so he... he <laughs> He, he walks outside on the front porch to, to get some fresh air. And he takes a deep breath and he's about to throw up in the yard. He gets on his bicycle, rides around town, and everywhere it stinks. How many of you understand? <laughs> it's not the world stinking. It's granddaddy stinking. So if you came in here tonight, let me just nail you right away. I don't like the chairs and I don't like the music. And what the heck is that? Look at that one. Oh my goodness. Look at that preacher. Look at, what, what is this? I don't know. Might be you having some cheese in your mustache. <laughs> just saying, I mean, you know. How, how many of you know that? Sin works like that. Sin is like that. So some say, oh, I joined this church and then I found out not everything was But Well, it's because you joined. <laughs> it was so good before you came and then you came and poof, everything went down the basement. Can I be a blunt European with you tonight? 
sin stinks. And sin colors and, and gets into our attitudes and everything that we are. So, and that's why Solomon says in the Bible that above all else, guard your heart. Because it is the wellspring of life. That's the source of who you are in your life. And, and, and I always say this, when, you, when you're grumpy and you know every, everyone else, you look down on it. You know, the Pharisee, he had some cheese. He thought he was the best, you know, elite Jew that existed. Right? And, and I want you to get hold of this. That is, that is awful. Do you get that? That kind of representation of Christianity, we don't need it. People that are looking down on each and everyone else and think they are better than everyone else and complains about everything and is the, and is the moral and ethical police everywhere they are. Are you getting what I'm saying? Just, 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 just party poopers and, and kills everything around them. Are you, are, are you getting what I'm saying? No, we don't need that. We need people that are full of life, that have experienced forgiveness, right? That knows that they are sinners saved by grace. Come on, somebody. That's what we need. And sometimes I'm so disappointed with my own Christian family because they often come across like they think they are better than the rest of the world. And I really want to say this here, here in America too. Are, are you hearing me? Come on. Let's have a little humility. Come on. We, 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 are, we are not the salvation for the world. Jesus is the salvation for the world. Are you? No, it's not America. Sorry to say, it's not Europe. It's not NATO. No, it is Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can forgive sins. The only, you see, this is so wonderful. And so simple and so fundamental. Yeah. When I, when I go around Africa, they always come to me because I, we, we, we see a lot of signs and wonders. If you would come with us, you would see, you would see blind eyes open and deaf hearing and cripples walking. And we, we see a lot of tremendous miracles. And we also see a lot of demons come out. You know, people that are possessed, that are in witchcraft, that are in the occult, are being set free. How many of you read, read something about Jesus? That's what Jesus did all the time. You see, this is, so it's nothing radical really. It's just Jesus' life. So, so and then they come to me and they say this, Pastor, can you cast the demons out of me? Okay? This is all kinds of, of non-Christians and half-Christians and seekers. Or, yeah? Can you cast the demons out of me? And I understand what they mean because I felt like that once upon a time. I was full of rage, full of hatred, full of all kinds of things that I couldn't control. But I always tell them the story then. Yeah, of course I can cast the demon out of you. And I said, the name of Jesus is, is very powerful. But I always tell them the story. It, it is like the bachelor that had a rat problem. Okay, it's often bachelors that has a rat problem. Yeah, so, so, so this guy had a rat problem. There were rats everywhere. They were running over his face when he was sleeping. They were in his bed. They, they were on the kitchen table, all right? Okay, it's not Louisiana. It's, it's Africa now. Are you with me? Yeah, so I'm not coming down on, on, on. Are you here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have it in Europe in some places. I had it where I grew up. I would wake up in the night by rats running over my face. So this guy has a rat problem and he doesn't know what to do. So he goes down to the 
to the to the square in town and he meets a friend and he says, you've got to help me with this rat problem. And the other guy says, I'm, I'm good with rats. Have you tried this particular poison and these traps and this and that? Yeah, yeah. And it hasn't helped, no. Finally, he said, probably I should come and check out your house. So they walk home to his house. When they come through the door, <laughs> there's just this smell. When they come through the door and into the hallway, they're just garbage piled up against the walls everywhere. They can't even find the kitchen table. You know what I'm saying? For all the leftovers. And, and, and they can't find the bed in the bedroom. But yeah, I know I had a bed here once, you know, the bachelor said. And then it, the guy just starts to laugh. I mean, rats is not your problem. Garbage is your problem, right? So they said, we need to clean the house. So they started cleaning the house. And what do you think happened when they threw the garbage out in the street? The rats followed because they had nothing to eat, nowhere to hide, and they followed. So here it is. I always tell people, if you want to get rid of some rats, some demons, some issues, some stuff in your life, yeah, we can kill a rat or two, but that won't really help. Let's clean the house. Let's get the house in order, right? Because you're supposed to be a temple for the Holy Spirit, temple for Jesus. So if we can clean the house, get out the real, you know, the real soap and shampoo, the blood of Jesus Christ, and clean every room and every, you see, and throw the garbage out, the rats will follow. So when I came to Jesus, and I, and I want to tell a little bit about that too. Oh, I was just full of it. Full of it. I, I was a big piece of S. I, they have taught me I cannot say that word. So. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I was just full of it. You know, I wanted to fight each and every one in that home. I was full of rage. You just, 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 just you constantly wanted to comfort myself, uh, take care of my anxiety with, with either alcohol or sex or something else. Just, 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 just full of, of, of all kinds of evil habits and stuff. This was me. And, and uh, you know, when I came in there and they were all singing worship songs and it was a Christian, Christian organization. They were all singing worship songs and talking about Jesus. It was super weird in the beginning. But then there was just something in the atmosphere, you know, something that was so loving and so kind. And when I got hold of the message of Jesus Christ, who forgives sins, and I started to confessing sins, and I started to take, you know, owned my life. I had blamed mama, I had blamed daddy, I had blamed everyone, but I owned my life. We have this story that we, you know, here, here comes another story. Are you ready? Okay, this is, this, this is going to freak some of you out. I know, I know. So let's say there's a guy here in Bossier City who opens up a little office, a beautiful little office in a shop um, along, what is it called, Lakeline Drive? Airline drive, okay. So, okay, beautiful. But on the first night, someone breaks in, steals the laptop, uh, you know, destroys the office, and ends up by taking a dump on the desk. 
I don't know if you've been part of these break-ins. I have. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been taking, taking dumps in places. So, anyhow, you come in there, you own this place, and you say, I'm a victim. Right? So you can't even deal with this. You close the door. You go home because you're a victim. You meet a friend the next day and you tell the story. And you, you know, your story touches your friend and he's, you know, let's say it's destiny. Destiny says, oh, I really feel for you. She's, oh, this is, this is, this is, this is bad. Yeah. So you see, she will be very nice for a few days, but then she will say, <laughs> Uh, have you talked to police? Have you reported this? Ha have you talked to the insurance company? Uh, because the longer you wait now, the harder it will be, right? And, and, and you just say, no, I'm a victim. I can't deal with this right now. So you just leave the dump on the desk. You just leave it like it is, right? After two weeks... I mean, Destiny is not saying it, but you, she thinks you're stupid because now it's too late. And if you wait another week, the police won't even take you serious. The insurance company won't do a thing. Why haven't you reported this? And you see, the funny thing is that someone else's dump can become your dump. Because all of a sudden, all the crap in that office is yours. And that was my life. Are you getting it? Oh, mama was drinking my whole childhood. And her boyfriend was beating me up and locking me up. And I got the right to really beat people up and be this and that. You see, I'm a victim. Are you here? But then it comes to a time when someone tells you the dump is yours. You getting it? You have to own this stuff now. You are the one to clean this. You see, someone else's things can become your things. That's how it is. So we all have a responsibility to say, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner and I need it. And when I came to Jesus Christ, oh my goodness, there's a chain reaction to forgiveness. How many of you know it's a beautiful? First, I felt God forgave me through Jesus Christ, right? And immediately I could forgive myself. That was the first thing that happened. I could forgive myself. But then I felt immediately a need to ask people for forgiveness for what I had caused them. So I started calling girlfriends. Hello, Jenny. This is Johannes. What the heck are you calling me for? Well, uh, are you drunk? <laughs> no, you know. Well, I've become religious. Oh, you, yeah. So, so I said, I wanted to say, F forgive me. She said, you're sick and hung up. You know, it, did, it didn't go well, if I say so. It, it didn't go well. But every time, hello, Sophia, this is Johannes. Uh, I know you don't want to talk to me, but I just have to tell you, uh, since I've become religious and all, that f forgive me. Okay, does it feel better? Yeah. Yeah, I don't forgive you. And she hung up. You know, it was, it didn't go well. But, but every time I said it, something happened with me. 
You see, the dump was off my desk. You see? Oh, I continued. Claudia. Claudia was nice. Claudia was nice. Oh, you've become religious. <laughs> we have an expression in Austria that is, you know, that happens even to the devil from time to time. So that was what she was saying. It didn't feel good. Didn't feel good. But anyhow, she forgave me. And then when I started asking people for forgiveness, all of a sudden I knew I had to forgive other people. Right? And the one that was the hardest to forgive was my mama. She abandoned me as a kid and had to bounce around everywhere. And she lived a selfish life. Oh, if you know about my mama. My mama has an apartment in our house today. She's a wonderful, wonderful Jesus woman today. But she was a hopeless alcoholic for my whole upbringing and, you know, young adult years. But then mama came to Jesus. It was a weird, weird thing. She invited me for dinner. Social welfare had put up a house. Two chairs, two plates, two forks, two knives. I don't know if you've been to a place like that, but just the absolute necessary. And mama had made dinner and there was two candles burning and it was very special. And then we were about to eat and my mama said, maybe we should pray. And I started laughing because it felt so weird coming out of her mouth. I don't know if you understand. I, I come from, this is, she, she, she oh, okay, mama. <laughs> and we prayed. And then when we were about to eat, she said, well, you're not, you're not, I really want to make you dinner, but there's something else that I need to say to you. And our Christian counselor now, had told her to get in touch with her children. So I knew what was coming. And I, when I knew what was coming, I sat there thinking, how can you forgive? Being abandoned your whole childhood, you know, being beaten up by drunk and high boyfriends. How, how can you forgive? I overheard them tormenting my little sister, six years old, burning her with cigars in the other room, laughing about, how, how could I... And then mama's lips started to shiver, especially the under lip here. It's not a good sign. She's going to break. And she did. She started sobbing and she said, can you forgive me, son? And when she said that, I felt, I, I can't. But then I said, anyhow, of course, mama, Jesus has forgiven me. So who am I not? And when I said that, there was such a power released in the room. I, I felt it, it took me again. It was like a second salvation. It was like it just came like a, I said, and, and, and I said, Mama, of course, of course, I, I forgive you. And she jumped up from her chair and landed on top of me. <laughs> one leg here, one leg here. And then she was snoring all over me. How many of you know that's a good dinner? It's a good dinner with mama. We forgot about the food and mama was sitting here. She was skin and bone. She'd been drinking away her life. And she received a son back and I received a mom back. And it's never too late. Let me tell you all that. It's never too, it's never too late to get a mama back or a son back or a daughter back. Ah. 
today, Mama is my best friend, my greatest supporter, great grandmama to our kids. Yeah, she's a hero. Because only forgiveness does that. You see, Paul Kagame of Rwanda, who's the president of Rwanda, he had to deal with a genocide. How do you do that? Seven million people in the nation and almost everyone has slaughtered someone. Huh? Over one, I think it was 1.6 or one point something like that, just slaughtered. When the Hutsi and the Tutsi started killing each other, how do you deal with that? I'm going to put everyone in prison. So Paul Kagame came up with a brilliant, brilliant idea based on the Bible. He announced a day of reconciliation for the nation. So he said, everyone goes to your neighbor and ask for forgiveness. So everyone was demanded to go out and they went to each other. I killed your sister. I buried her here. I killed your mama. I buried her here. And the whole nation had to go out and ask for forgiveness. And those that didn't ask for forgiveness and didn't deal with their past, they were put on trial, brought before justice. But the rest was forgiven. And every year they celebrate this in Rwanda, the day of reconciliation. You see, forgiveness has transformed nations where I work. Do you hear what I'm saying? Forgiveness, you don't have to revenge. Can you imagine what a wonderful thing? That this man that I told you briefly about that, that was tormenting my little sister with cigars and did all kinds. I hated him. My whole upbringing, I wanted to kill this man. I planned out with my older brother how to do it. If you, if, you, if, you, if you don't know about hatred, hatred eats you. It destroys you. I had so much rage. And, 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 and we had checked out even where he lived when we were like 18, 19. We were just going to find the right opportunity. And the opportunity never came. So then something happened. Jesus happened. And then the opportunity came when I was 22. And Jesus had been in my life for two years. And he was just there alone in the streets and there was no one there. And I remember I, you know, I, I, I hit the brakes and pulled the handbrake at the same time. It was in the backbone. I've been looking for this guy for so long. Jumped out of the car, ran down the street, got hold of his leather jacket, threw him up against the wall. It's a true story. This is the story. And I said, do you know who I am? And when I told who I was, I was the six-year-old that was locked up and heard my sister being tormented, you piece of, you know. And I started like this. And then all of a sudden, I felt nothing. No rage, no hatred. But I felt something else started coming up. Compassion, love overwhelming me. And I felt, Jesus has forgiven me. Who are you to do this thing? So holding him against that wall, I said, you should be so happy. <clears throat> I have Jesus in my life. <laughs> and he said, but then please let me go. I said, no. <laughs> you owe me this one. I'm going to preach the gospel to you. So, I mean, it was, I, I, I confess to you, it was not the best evangelism method but I pinned him to that wall and preached the gospel to him for 10 minutes 
Then I let go of him and he was running down the street, I remember, crying and I felt so bad. I got back into the car and when I sat in the car, something overwhelmed me. And I knew this was a wonderful time. I knew now I'm ready to get married. Now I'm ready to be a husband. I'm ready to have kids. I'm ready to move on with my life. Because I have been forgiven. And I've forgiven myself. And I've asked for forgiveness. And I've forgiven others. And the power of forgiveness. You see the power of forgiveness is so powerful. It's like a wave that goes through your life and changes everything. I don't need to hold a grudge. Do you get what I'm saying? You see the Bible says it is to a man's honor to overlook an offense. You see you can walk a higher road. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul tells us actually from verse 29 when he speaks about the communion, he says that if we would examine ourselves, we would live longer. We would be healthier. We would be healed in our bodies if we worked with ourselves a little bit. James chapter 5 verse 16 says that confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. There's healing in this. Healing for a nation, healing to a soul, healing physical in this. And in our festivals in Africa, when they run up front and when they, when, when they confess Jesus and when they cry, you see, thieves come clean. Oh yeah, pimps come clean. It is an amazing thing. They come in with their stolen goods to the festival area at times, confessing their sins. I believe in forgiveness. I believe forgiveness can transform a nation. I believe forgiveness is our message. I believe it has something so deep, deep to do with being a Jesus follower. That's why I can't stand someone that has been a Christian for 30, 40 years and holds grudges. And starts to fight over small things. When we've been forgiven so much, are you hearing me? Oh, we have been forgiven so much. 